0: The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers. And do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.
1: Feeling better. Looking better. Making life better. It's Life Tips. Life, Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life tips. Life tips. Life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts.
0: Welcome to the show today, everyone. Our guest today is Manisha Takor. Pronounce your name properly? Manisha Takor. Oh, good. I'm glad you got a better pronunciation out to your fans than I did. Um, I wanted to uh, circle with you and just tell, tell the audience a little bit about your background. Uh, so uh, I'm sure they've read your bio by now, but so I won't go into the full details. But you're a uh, financial uh, wizard, shall we say, a guru, we like to say, in the life test world. About 15 years of experience, you've had uh, actually a wonderful title. Is a, is a financial literacy advocate. That would be a wonderful title that I'm reading on your bio here, and you've been featured in national publications such as the New York Times, the Boston Globes, Fours, Glamour, Real Simple, Women's Day. You've had some TV appearances on ABC and CCC, CNN, uh, CNBC, Fox Network. So, wow, we're honored to have you on the show. Thanks very much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> so you tend to specialize uh, in, uh, in, in, a, in a deep analysis of women. I was reading one of one of your captions that talks about two-thirds of women over the age of 65 are relying upon Social Security payments as their primary source of income. Uh, that's an alarming statistic, I might add. Um, tell us a little bit about your background and, and what, wh- what your focus is these days and, and what you really enjoy uh, studying as far as the financial community is concerned.
2: Sure. So I spent 15 years in corporate America as a portfolio manager on the institutional side. So my clients were large corporations and endowments and foundations, and I helped pick the stocks that would go into their pension plans. And over the years, what I discovered was that what I enjoyed most were the sidebar conversations I would have with clients afterwards, particularly female clients, or clients talking about the female members of their family about their personal finances. And then I thought back to my own education. I've been blessed. I, I did my undergrad at Wellesley. I have my MBA from Harvard. And I was never taught personal finance. And thinking, if you don't even learn it at Harvard Business School. Where do you learn it? And that was really the, 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 the genesis of my interest in, in pursuing what I believe is my lifelong calling, which is to help teach women in particular, but all Americans, how to learn, their li- how to, learn to live their lives from a position of financial strength.
0: How are you using the web uh, as as a vehicle to educate? I know you publish your your, your content on a, in a variety of places. Tell us a little bit about the challenge of educating women and using the web to do that. Well, you know, the
2: web has just been such a blessing in so many ways. I'll, I'll talk about it from a, a, a kind of a business perspective as well as a personal perspective. From a business standpoint, you know, when I first realized I had this bug to get out there and and help. Help women understand the basics of personal finance um, in a very plain English manner. No one knew who I was. I was just another person working in the financial services industry that happened to like you know, women's economic issues of women's economic empowerment. But thanks to using search engine optimization and um, trying to learn as much as I could about Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and LinkedIn and um, MySpace. Um, Suddenly, I was able to reach a much wider audience of people than I ever would have 20 years ago if I had the exact same urge. Um, So professionally, it has been incredible, and then personally, what I have found stunning is how it accelerates just sort of the natural phenomenon of six degrees of separation and how much... How rapidly my network of really amazing women um, has grown thanks to connections that have come about uh, right now, primarily through Twitter, um, Facebook, and my blog? Hmm.
0: Tell us a little bit about that world, your your Twitter accounts, you know how many followers do you have? How are you using that as a vehicle to to educate and entertain <laughs> if entertainment so I... is possible in the financial world?
2: No, actually, entertaining is one of my goals. So I am actually fairly new to the Twitter world. I just um, started tweeting um, in June or July of this year. Right now I have about uh, 2,100 fowlers. And what I'm really trying to do is focus on, you know, I, I've heard various studies that talk about how what you really want is a tribe of 1,000 to 1,500 incredibly passionate people. If you can find the right Thousand fifteen hundred 1,500 people, your message can go viral. So I, I'm not so focused on number of followers as I am the quality of interactions. And what I've tried to do with my Twitter feed is serve as a curator for information about personal finance and women's economic empowerment. So as I go through my day doing my reading, I try every day and find the three to five most interesting articles that I've come across, and that's what I put up on my Twitter feed.
0: Uh-huh and And are you tending to link back to these articles in, in a variety of sources and using using that as as a vehicle and a platform to promote different sites
2: absolutely in fact of I, I would say ninety nine point five percent of my tweets contain a link to another website I mean one of the great things um, I think about social media is it gives you a chance to um, publicize and draw attention to so many wonderful um, works and sites and organizations. And so I love nothing more than finding a really neat article that somebody else has written or a a small organization that has a passion for helping women with money and then watching a link to them be retweeted across the the, the biosphere, if you will.
0: You... um... Could you tell everyone your Twitter handle so they could tune in? Sure.
2: I would love you to come and, and, and come join me on Twitter. And my handle is my name. It's at Manisha Talkor, and I will spell it M-A-N-I-S-H-A-T-H-A-K-O-R.
0: How do you monetize your effort and your energy and your educational platform? Um,
2: that's the million-dollar question right now. So <laughs> I started doing this um, for fun. Um, I started doing this while I was working in the corporate world, and at that time I deliberately did not want to take any compensation for my activities because I wanted there to be no conflict of interest. I went, in, um, went out on my own in April, of 2009, and so now I am um, in monetization mode. And what I found is that there are so many different models, you really have to figure out what feels most authentic to you. And in my case, I love to talk, um, and so um, I have ended up doing a fair amount of corporate spokesperson-type work um, where large corporations that are looking to give some kind of messaging around financial literacy will hire me to speak. Um, I'm also doing keynote speeches, um, and then, of course, I've written, uh, co-authored two personal finance books, so there's some monetization there, um, and then I do some writing, um, freelance writing on the subject as well. Um, I have not opted to go into kind of the, the webinar or tel- teleseminar route. Um, I haven't figured out a way to do it that feels authentic yet, um, but there are some people that are doing a great job at it, and I'd like to keep learning from them.
0: Hmm. What do you think the, the, the messages um, need to look like these days to have impact on how people are managing their finances and how they can better that management?
2: I think the key word is simplicity. The right personal finance advice is out there. I mean, it strikes me often that the things I say, live within your means, don't have credit card debt, have an appropriate mix between stocks and bonds. Sometimes they seem so dull um, and so... uh, Uh, almost overstated, I think the problem is we are inundated with, and and this comes back to social media as well, um, on the Internet, we're just so inundated with information that what people need to know is when presented with a financial choice, typically the best answer is the simplest answer. If you yourself can't understand the advice that is being given, the odds are very high the person giving you the advice doesn't understand what they're saying. Um, And that good personal finance hygiene does not have to be complex.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think we're ever going to enter a an age where we can quickly evaluate our financial condition easily and uh, see recommendations pop up based upon the activity that we pop into some sort of widget
2: you know, I mean, I think it's definitely possible because if you want to assess what it, your current financial condition, this is what I would say. I'd say, first of all, pull together a list of what you own and what you owe. The difference is your net worth. You want to check that number once a year. You want the trend in that number to be upwards. If it's not upwards, something's going on with your assets or liabilities, you want to check into that. So that data could definitely be automated um, and I could easily see that being put into some kind of chart form and then people could track it. Um, another one that, um, you know, there are variations on this that I am seeing already at places like Mint.com and um, just Thrive.com are tracking your um, income and your expenditures. So obviously, you want the difference between that, hopefully, to be positive, too, and, and the delta yeah. would be your savings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are some online applications, but they're not simple yet. You know, I'd love mm-hmm. to see, you know, a little application where you could snap a picture of, of a receipt um, on your iPhone or PDA, and it would automatically populate your expense account. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I mean, how, how hard... Take, take a software program like QuickBooks, for example, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Quicken, even the, the yeah. many personal people use. Extremely popular. Millions of people out there are using it. You know, why can't a, a fabulous Harvard MBA person like yourself develop a way to, uh, to take the data, which is really all right there in front of you, including you know, your, your income, your expenses, your stock prices. I mean, it's all right there for that pool of people. And why can't we begin to see some interesting charts and graphs and, and uh, you know, visual representations of, of money management come into play? It would seem that the information and the recommendations and the advice should come from the data, not necessarily, you know, from, you know, not necessarily from the general principles of of, of, of accounting. Do, do, you, do you think there's something there?
2: Yes and no. I mean, I think that what happens is because you have okay, once you have the ability to take that data. Um, I see this all the time with analyses done in Excel. You can take your you know, decimals out to eight decimal points and have the feeling that it's a really um, deep analysis that you're doing. But you know, they always say the ruffle of done with anything um, and analytical is garbage in, garbage out. And so what I worry about if we get too automated with um, tracking and monitoring financials on an individual level is that, once again, we end up making something that could be really simple, really complex. Uh-huh. Um, and so, I mean, to me, honestly, and, and you, you could automate this, and, and, and um, you know, I mean, I think Quicken and QuickBooks are two wonderful ways to kind of bridge um, pen and paper versus something really slick. But honestly, all you need to know to track your finances is your net worth. Your, your budget, your inflows and outflows, and understand how you're investing your savings and the performance of those investments. If you can keep track of those three data points annually, that's it. That's, that is the bedrock of good financial management. And the financial services industry oftentimes tries to make it much more complex than that, but, but that's what it boils down to.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, let's take a little station break here and we'll, we'll get back to, to changing your personal financial world and as, as, as easily as you can make it because I think we all need help with that. Back in a second, everybody, with more great information.
1: Life Tips will be right back after this short break. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple, markethealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Want to learn the biggest asset to driving online success? Let me introduce you to my expert advisor. PixelSilk. Pixelsilk is a robust content management system built on a foundation to create online marketing success. It's the only content management system that offers keyword-specific SEO advice, can integrate with your shopping cart system, and offer multi-site management. Pixelsilk frees my time while making my company's website easy to manage and promote. Even better, Pixel Silk has been embraced by the SEO community.
0: I'm Bruce Clay, and Pixel Silk is the first CMS I have ever felt good about recommending.
1: With this winning combination, we have all the tools we need. Pixelsilk.com, the ultimate in SEO-driven CMS.
0: BruceClay.com
1: Affiliate marketing is changing rapidly Stay ahead of the trends with Affiliate Marketing Insider Thursdays at 3pm Eastern, Noon Pacific or on demand anytime inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel Only on WebmasterRadio.fm And now back to Life Tips Making your life smarter, better, faster and wiser Here are your hosts
0: Back with Manisha. Thanks for coming back here. So, do you do you think there there are really pinnacle forms of wisdom that can drive your attitude towards finance? Is that part of the, the method to the madness here? Is it the attitude?
2: You know, it, it it is a big part of it, and I've written two books on personal finance. The first one is called On My Own Two Feet, and it addressed the basics how to save, how to budget, how to deal with credit card debt and so forth, did not touch as much on the psychological component. The second book, which just came out and is called Get Financially Naked, how to Talk Money with Your Honey, um, uh. almost by definition ended up having a much larger psychological component because it brought in somebody else to the equation. And in researching the book, what I found out, and, and along with my co-author, was just how much of financial behavior um, really is driven by the soft and the squishy, and, and it can't be defined in an Excel spreadsheet. Huh.
0: Great title for the book, by the way. What was the inspiration for the the title?
2: Well, so um, what happened with the the first book, um, On My Own Two Feet, my co-author and I were traveling the country talking to women's groups, and we thought everybody would be as excited about talking about credit scores and insurance as we were, and every single speech we gave, the same thing would happen. We had a tiny little chapter at the end of the book on love and money, and at the end of our speech, Women would come up to us and tell us the most unbelievable stories of being shortchanged in relationships. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, when we thought, like, oh my God, this, this needs to be put out there. You know, we need to get naked about this and just talk about mm. it openly and honestly. Mm. And um, that's how the, the, the title came about just really this notion that money's this pink elephant in our bedrooms.
0: Mm, wow, got a fantastic uh, story behind that. Tell us a little bit about that book and its newly released. You mentioned tell us uh, tell us some of the some of the fundamentals of the book. I don't have it in front of me, so otherwise I'd I'd, I'd be I'd be peeling off the pages.
2: No, no, it's and it's all about peeling. That's what the book is about. Okay. The, the fundamental premise of the book is when you meet somebody special, your friends will ask you if you're physically compatible or emotionally compatible or spiritually compatible, but probably nobody will ask you if you're financially compatible. Yet, the answer to that question will probably drive 90% of your marital bliss over the long run. Yeah. And um it you know, it's this one component of our relationship that we don't encourage people to talk about or analyze pre commitment and yet post commitment is the number one source of fight. Wow. So the Yeah, I mean literally, I mean you talk to any divorce attorney or therapist and they will second this. Mm. And um that's uh, a short little side note on that, um, there's some interesting academic research that was done recently that showed that um, it actually makes sense why this happens. It happens because there's something very intoxicating in the early stages of romance about financial otherness. So if you're mm-hmm. a saver, you'll be really turned on by somebody who's a spender and lives in the moment. And if you're a spender, you'll find something really comforting about the boundaries that a saver has. Mm-hmm. And then it wears off and you want to poke each other's eyes out.
0: <laughs> so what's what's the end answer kit can, can can counseling in the in the end of the day really help uh can can alignment of the financial goals and adherence to the plan is that the solution of the problem or is there just a fundamental kinetic difference with the mindset and it's just destined for failure from the beginning
2: well the good news is um n- n- none of the above so you do not need to counsel yourself into identical mindsets nor do you have to doom yourself to failure the, the key to financial compatibility is really understanding each of your attitudes towards money so it- in the book and on our website uh, the website is getfinanciallynaked.com there there's a-, a compatibility quiz that you can do with your significant other that has 10 questions in each of three different areas, knowledge about money, interest in money, and behavior around money. And the point with getting financially naked is to understand as a couple where you have gaps on those three metrics and where you may have tension points. The idea isn't to become identical, but to understand where there's friction or holes and, and to address them.
0: Mm-hmm. And in your experience, well first of all this I can only im- when did the book get when was the book published?
2: just came out literally um it was the end of December pub date
0: Wow, exciting, really I think that you will find a pretty hot topic area that you've landed on on here I can only imagine, and I'm very excited to be zoning in on this this uh this this real challenge of of how people can balance things do you find In your research that you did for the book, do you do you find uh, greater likelihood, for example, for divorce when there is major differences of of income and or appreciation for spending money?
2: Interestingly, not on the first component, but on the second. So I've seen couples with widely divergent incomes that are able to be financially compatible. Um, and have a harmonious relationship. The thing that tends to get people is um, living on opposite ends of the saving-spending spectrum or living on opposite ends of the conservative-aggressive spectrum when it comes to how to invest your money. Mm -hmm. And there are ways that you can, you know, two people who live on opposite ends of the spectrum can come up with a solution that enables them to stay together, but first they have to identify that they're polar opposites. So I'll give you an example. Like, a saver may as a spender, simple steps you can take. You guys each set a dollar amount that every month each of you can spend, no questions asked, and you set a dollar amount above which you each agree to consult each other before spending. Those two simple steps can help savers and spenders live much more uh, palatably together.
0: Mm. And what percentage of the couples of the world in your rough estimate live by that Methodology of communication with spending habits?
2: I'd say 20% is, is my, <laughs> my, my you know, it's, it feels like it's less than one in four couples that I come across are talking truly honestly about money. Yep. And I don't That's want it. them because it's not something that is encouraged. You know, where in your life do you get a message that this is something that you should talk openly and honestly about?
0: Mm. Do you feel that joint bank accounts are the way to go and complete disclosure of income and putting it all into one pool where it can be viewed and managed and discussed and uh, is the right way to go? Or do you, do you feel that some people ought to live, live live their financial life separately in the interest of each other?
2: I think answering that question is like answering the question, how many kids should a couple have? It's so personal. I think yeah. transparency is 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 key, and that's what every couple should strive for. But whether that transparency, which I would define as understanding what each person is earning, spending, um, how they have their retirement plans invested, their financial history pre relationship, but whether you choose to have your money separate or together, or do a financial three-way, yours, mine, and ours. I think all of those can work, and all of those can fail if you are not talking. And so I advocate at least once a year you want to do a full checkup on your household finances together, the same way you would have a physical.
0: Hmm. Is there any financial counseling services available for people? I've never sort of heard of such a thing. No, and I will tell you, this book
2: has, you know, you (laughs) asked earlier about monetization. This book has made me realize that that is one area, the interplay between general relationship therapy and financial advisors or financial planners Uh is one that is not highly populated yet. Uh Um, And I will say that if there's anyone listening that is feeling tension um, the closest thing i found so far are hourly fee-based financial planners um, that have the CFP designation, oftentimes are well-versed in helping couples understand these tension points, and you can find them at the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, napfa.org. Um, but it is a very uh, nascent field. Helping couples deal with their money.
0: Yeah, and one that perhaps create, creates great opportunity online, you know, for some sort of service. Could you imagine any kind of a service that could offer this type of, you know, analysis for for couples, or diagnosis, or or answers to problems? Yeah, I mean, I, think, I mean, I'm thinking I online. Can... We have a very online community here, Webmaster Radio FM. So,
2: right? No, I mean, I think uh, some kind of interactive Ning type community would be phenomenal, where people mm. could. Um, ask questions, find advisors in their area that do focus their practices um, in, in this sort of more holistic manner, um, and um, just I think what, what people need more than anything is validation. I, I talk about mm-hmm. this subject non-stop. And when my husband uh-huh. and I are out socially, I find that just bringing it up, other couples are like, oh, okay, it's okay to talk about it. And then they get excited. And, and um, I can't tell you in cocktail parties how many times people come up and want to talk to me about it. So we could replicate yeah. that cocktail party dynamic online. Yeah, um, That would really help more people feel comfortable talking about the subject.
0: I think you're onto something big here. The other question for you is just, what is your take on, in general, financial planning and financial planning for couples and getting the kind of expert in care? For example, who manages your money now? Do you, You're a, a professional money manager. Do you have an outside person managing your finances for you?
2: It's an interesting question. So my husband and I do the financial three-way, yours, mine, and ours. I manage mine, but the... Um, My husband's and the hours, we have an outside financial planner um, that we work with, and she's a CFP, and she helps advise on a couple of different levels. She will advise on on what to invest in, but also kind of bigger, squishier questions, like estate planning um, and making sure that we're um, uh, maximizing um, uh, opportunities to to be – tax advantage, um, and and various activities that we might be doing. And so, I mean, I think that everyone can benefit from seeking outside professional guidance. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm really, you know, one of the things that I'd love to see people give young couples or new couples of any age um, is an hour or two with an hourly fee-based financial planner. I think that would be such a phenomenal wedding gift.
0: Do you compensate your certified financial planner hourly for the work that you and your husband contract with her?
2: So we are working with a fee-based financial planner. Um, luckily, we've done well enough that our assets are at the size that we are able to find somebody that I feel is very qualified and also um, uh, Ascribes to the same sort of of principles that I, I like in hourly fee-based planners. The woman we work with is very rare, she's a gem. Um, I typically advise most people um, to seek out hourly planners because most people need three to five hours of advice. If you're paying a percent of assets under management, um, you want to be getting a much wider array of services that unless you're blessed to have a very complex financial situation, um, you probably don't need. And so what I'm saying is most people are buying the Ferrari, when really the, the, the you know, Toyota Camry is going to be perfect for them.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what do you think planning. that, to help the readers understand what that, Pinnacle would be of a Ferrari versus a Taurus you know what you know it, at what financial point how many financial you know what does your financial picture need to, to look like before you are ready for a three hour consulting session on a yearly basis or whatever it is versus a you know a, a full blown financial Plan or managing assets and trading stocks and determining whether mutual funds and or individual stocks are are worthy of the investment you know in portfolios or bonds or needs issues or family issues or you know upcoming expenses I mean finance is compl- is complex let's face it right
2: for no, even really for most of it what,
0: what, what do you feel what are your recommendations to to women and or or two couples um, or regarding the, the challenges of, of managing money.
2: So here's the problem. The the fee-based financial planners, folks, that will charge you a percent of your assets under management to help oversee your assets and provide comprehensive advice. Typically, the really, really good ones have a minimum asset under management of something in the seven figures. And so for the vast majority of Americans, that avenue is not open. And so what I worry about then are there are fee-based planners that will take individuals as clients who have less than seven-digit portfolios. But my experience is, in that realm, the quality of advice that you get is so much higher with the hourly fee-based financial planner. hmm um, and, and this is a broad sweeping statement that there, there, I have met phenomenal fee-based planners who will take smaller accounts, but the problem is, since they earn a percent of the assets under management, if you have only $100,000, they can't make a living off of you. So to get quality advice, if you've got $100,000 in savings or $200,000 in savings, which is a great number for the vast majority of people, you're going to get higher quality. Quality service, paying one hundred and fifty or two hundred dollars an hour to talk to an hourly planner,
0: mm-hmm. and have them assess your current investments, make recommendations on additional investments, give you documentation, and explore different options that, and walk you through the logic behind each of the investment opportunities. Yeah,
2: precisely. And and, and my experience, ironically, has been um, that um, the the. Quality levels on both ends are great. It's that kind of middle gap where I really worry where people are being charged a percent of assets, but they have portfolios of less than a million dollars because typically what happens then is that the advisor has to put them into high-fee or high-commission products in order for the advisor to make something that would approximate the 150 to $200 an hour that they would have gotten if they were paid hourly. And so then there's this level of opacity that, um, And so that's why I prefer the the hourly fee-based planner model.
0: We're turning to getting financially naked together. Isn't that fun to say?
2: (laughs) Yes, Isn't it? My husband gets the the top search term on the name. Don't worry, I won't tell your husband that we're getting
0: financially naked together. (laughs) Um, What is your your suggestion on on a list?